golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. Taking you home on the fairways of I-4, in the house, Holly G., and Rich B is taking a little vacation this week. So we've got Rich Walsh behind the glass, keeping things all under control. Hey, Rich. How are you today, Holly? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. It's a big week in golf. Uh, we've got the third major of the season, the British Open Championship, or as they like to say it across the pond, the Open Championship. So we've got lots to talk about tonight on the eve of uh, this third major, the oldest major uh, of uh, of golf. So lots of history behind the British Open and just a fun, fun event to watch because you get to wake up early or not go to sleep and watch early, early primetime golf starting tomorrow morning at oh dark 30, about 4 o'clock, 4.30 a.m. when the... Uh, Open Championship will start on ESPN, so very exciting week, and uh, we're going to bring in one of our first and favorite golf insiders, Vartan Capellian, past president of the Golf Writers Association of America, longtime columnist for the Detroit News, and now covering all things golf on PGATour.com. Hey, Vartan, good to have you back again. Thank you. Well, first... Uh, before we get into the British Open, I know you're these days covering the seniors, the Champions Tour, although I think they're uh, the, the, the third generation on, an, on extra steroids because, boy, Kenny Perry running away with the Senior Open this past weekend. Five shots, blew away the rest of the guys. What a, what a performance by Kenny on Sunday and Saturday. Yeah. yeah, you know what? The last five rounds he's played in back-to-back majors, he has shot 63, 63-64, 63-64. I mean, he hasn't been over 64 in five straight rounds in a major championship. Uh, the guy's on the, fire. I mean, that's that's incredible. And I don't care, you know, what kind of golf course you're playing. Uh, I was at Fox Chapel. It was a wonderful golf course, as I think I told you. Uh, and it was, you know, terrible conditions, wet, soggy. Uh, but then, you know, it doesn't bother him because he hits it so far. He doesn't have to, he doesn't need roll. And then he gets to Omaha Country Club with a different kind of golf course, classic instincts, but a different kind of golf course. And he just blows away the field again. And the major before those two, he had a three shot lead with six to go and blew it. So in the last three majors, I mean, the guys played really, really well. Well, and I think these, these two majors have meant a lot to Kenny. Uh, many probably will remember when um, he uh, lost the playoff at the Masters and, and also the PGA playoff when he just didn't get the job done, and now he has a USGA title, and I think it means a lot to him. 
in the second yeah, because, second career of his life. Well, sure, because you know, as you get older, trophies might think mean a little bit more to you than they did when you were, you know, twenty five or thirty or thirty five. Then you were more more concerned with the legacy and the cash, maybe. But you know, he's got all the money he'll ever be able to spend. Uh, his legacy is, is is ingrained. It is what it is. It's not going to change. And so, uh, so I think the trophy means more. I think, I think for people to say he won a USGA national championship, what you know, obviously the, the the senior open isn't the same as the regular open, but I think for him it's very important, as it would be for anybody. Absolutely. Now there's you know lots of talk about equipment lately um, between Phil's Frankenwood and. A lot of talk about driving irons that some of the guys may be uh, putting in the bag this week at Muirfield. But apparently Kenny has switched to a new driver that's also having him stripe it down the fairways. Is that true? Well, you know, uh, he was striping the old driver down the fairway, too. Uh, I mean, he had he had a lot of success with the TaylorMade. He's an Adams guy now. Um, driving the ball was never Kenny Perry's problem. He was one of... You know, even at the age 45, 46, 47, he was hitting it as far as, you know, most of the young guys when he was on the regular tours. So, so driving is, is not his problem. Uh, he's, he's really strong. Uh, he hits it a long way and he hits it very straight for somebody who hits it that far. Well, let's uh, switch gears for um, a minute here and talk about, first of all, the John Deere Classic, which wrapped up and a terrific, terrific victory by Jordan Speed. Boy, did this kid handle himself well. Yeah, he's a player, isn't he? Uh, and everybody has kind of known it. I mean, they've known that this is a kid who is really, really uh, mature beyond his years. Uh, he left college early to turn pro, and uh, now we know why. Uh, the kid's got a lot of confidence, a lot of moxie. Yeah, how about that chipping on 18 Yeah, to yeah. get into the just, playoff? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, that just... You know, you can't teach that. I don't care. Uh, I think last time we talked, we talked about, you know, a great. you can't teach somebody to be a great putter. Uh, you just can't teach somebody to have that kind of moxie, you know, to, to hit the shots when he needs to hit the shots. Uh, the shot he hit in the uh, playoff hole. Uh, on 18, was it? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, you can't teach that. There's just no way. There's just some people who know how to hit those shots. Um, it's called shot-making. You know, they just they just know they just, they know how to play the game. They're, they're not robo golfers. They're not mechanics. They're not people who worry about positions. I watch this kid play, and I don't see him rehearsing every swing. Hey, you know, he knows what he wants to do. He just does it. Yeah, and to be able to pull that off in the pressure of the moment, and then uh, to sink that putt. Um, certainly, uh, the other guys didn't get it done, and um, you know, you would have expected a little bit more. Well, David Hearn, David Hearn certainly had a chance, didn't he? he had back-to-back holes on the playoffs where he had what, six, eight-footers to win, and he didn't make either one, and that kind of told you right then, you know why this kid has, he's whatever, 30-something, and he hasn't won. It's because he can't make the clutch putts. You know, that, that kind of sets you apart. And Zach Johnson, you know, a guy that's won here, very comfortable, uh, defending champ, and uh, really was surprised at how uh, he didn't get it in the barn. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he, I don't think he played well, you know, that entire round. I think there was, you know, he's one of the best, very, very best putters out there. And uh, there was, as I was watching, there was a couple of times I said, well, he can't miss this putt. But he missed it, which which tells me that he was a little bit out of sync on the greens. We're talking to Vartan Capellian from PGATour.com. Vartan, you're a veteran. 
reporter, journalist. You've been to the British Open many times. Uh, tell our listeners what they can expect from Muirfield and who do you see. Um, I mean, just is just an open field, I think, in terms of potential people that we should be watching on Sunday between, you know, Phil and Tiger and Ernie and uh, Justin Rose. I mean, I my gosh. I told you last week who was going to win. Did you forget already? What's that? what's that? Yeah, I know. And we and we and we went off the air, and I I I'm not sure I even knew who that guy was. And then you found out last weekend, didn't you? I sure did. Yeah, he's a player. Yeah, he's a player. He's one of the guys. And we're talking about Brendan Grace now. Brendan Grace won four times last year on the European Tour, and nobody knows it. I mean, he's the next Charlie Schwartzel, the next Louis Oosthuizen. He's a South African who can flat out play. Um, and and there's just so many of these people. Uh, that I think the general golfing public just is names they've never heard of. Uh, look, there, there's maybe 40 or 50 guys just waiting in line to win a major. And I'm not excluding guys like Dustin Johnson, Hunter Mahan, uh, Ricky Fowler, Luke Donald, really, you know, world class players who haven't won a major yet who are going to win majors. Draw them out of a hat. Any one of those guys could win, including Brendan Grace. I mean, actually, I was pointing against them at, uh, at the Scottish Open because nobody wins back to back. Well, uh, these... over there, and, and not you know, not even Phil. So you know, you can you know, scratch that one off. Uh, but uh, but the, yeah, Brendan Grace is a wonderful player. I mean, he's got all the shots as you saw. He you know, he's not afraid of anything or anybody. He'll go out and play. Um, you know what? This is one of the two best weeks of the of the year for golf. Uh, the Masters and the British Open are the two finest years. I mean, they're just, I'm missing, you know, I've been to about, I don't know, 20, 25 of the British Opens. Uh, I'm going to, I've always wanted to sit home at 4 a.m. in the morning, put on a pot of coffee and, and watch the images come over. And your fuzzy uh, bunny slippers. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be, uh, I've been to Muirfield. I, I was there in 02 and Ernie Ells won in the playoff. When the weather was so horrendous on Saturday, I've been there uh, on other occasions just to play. Uh, it's it just you know it almost it almost belies uh, description. I mean, it's such a wonderful place, such a great golf course. Uh, and it sounds and, like the weather is going to be pretty reasonable. Maybe a little windy on the weekends, but not what we're used to. San Diego sounds like San Diego. You know, mid mid seventies and sunny and a little breeze. Heck, they they could be at uh, Torrey Pines for all we know. Yeah, this was uh, this was not the year to skip, Barton. Yeah, well, maybe it was. That's no fun though. You you don't want to go to the British and and have that kind of weather. I can I get that at home. I want it to blow. I want it to be cold and rain coming down sideways. That's when the British Open is fun. Yes, you know. And, and hey, I you know we've all played in that. I I wouldn't play in that here at home, but I would certainly play in that if I was over in. Scotland or Ireland, that's, you know, that's 80% of the fun of being over there. But Muirfield is, uh, you know, it's one of the really good golf courses. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, great golf course, uh, top 10 probably by anybody's um, thinking. And, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's, uh, it's not going to be as long as some of the courses that they stretch out over here. And from what I'm told, it's going to play firm and fast. Uh, the weather has been such they haven't had a lot of rain over there, and uh, there aren't going to be a lot of drivers being hit because you're going to be able to reach all the par fives with you know with a hybrid or an iron off the tee and another one 
on the green in, in uh, nineteen was in nineteen ninety ninety one when Faldo beat John Cook. It was the same kind of weather, and and that's twenty sub twenty three years ago. And I remember Cookie saying something like, you know, he was hitting five irons two hundred and ten yards. Well, it's not a lot by today's standards, but back, you know, 23 years ago, you hit a five iron, you didn't hit it. You hit a three iron, 210 yards, you know, even those guys. So so it's going to play firm and fast. Uh, there's no you know, rain in the forecast. Uh, so it's it's going to be, a, you know, shot maker's delight because you're going to have to land the ball uh, on these approach shots, in some cases 20, 30 yards short of the green. And, yep. of course, that takes a lot of skill, a lot of touch, a lot of feel. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very fun. Um, given that, uh, of course, uh, Tiger Woods he loves it fast and firm. Uh, what do you think Tiger's chances are? And you know, we've been talking about the fact that he measures uh, his career by the majors, and we know who he's chasing, the Golden Bear. Uh, you know, how do you think? That, where do you think the pressure is inside Tiger's head? You've covered him a long time. Give us your take. Yeah, I think there's pressure inside his head. I think there's pressure inside his head for a lot of reasons. One of them because I think Tiger sometimes can be, you know, I I keep hearing how good he's striking the ball and how good he's doing this and how good he's doing that. But what I'm what I'm watching, what I'm seeing, and what I'm hearing are basically two different things. If you're if you're one of the, you know, if you're the best golfer in the world, uh, you can hit fairways with any club in the back. I think the one advantage he's going to have is he's not going to have to take the driver out of the back. I mean, that's going to be a distinct advantage for him, I think. Because at Hoylake, you remember Royal Liverpool, uh, he won there. Uh, I think he had two drivers in 72 holes. And I think Muirfield is going to play much the same way. Tiger's going to be able to go around that place and four irons off the tee. And if he can do that, it's, it's certainly going to be to his advantage. Bottom line, you're still going to have to get a, you know, you're still going to have to score on that golf course. And, uh, you know, if Tiger gets hot with the putter, uh, he's better than any of them. And if he's a little iffy with the putter, uh, you know, the British Open, I think, I think the putter is kind of underrated at the British Open. I don't care how good you strike the ball. Um, Adam Scott proved that last year. He played beautifully, Tita Green. But those last four holes, he couldn't get the putter to work. Good and point. He, you know, and, and he blew a four-shot lead. So. I think I think people kind of underrate. They see the gorse, they see the heather, they see the wind, uh, and I think they figure, well, maybe putting's not all that important there. I think putting at the British Open is extremely important. Totally agree with you, Barton. And uh, it's going to be just a the, the next four days to me. Uh, agree with you, probably the best on the meter in terms of golf, just because of all the unique shots we get to see and uh, courses, the links design that um, you know we just not many people get to play true links courses. Appreciate, as always, your time, Barton. And uh, our listeners can catch you on PGATour.com. And what's you, what else you got going on? Oh, I got a lot going on. I'm writing books and everything else. Always. One of the best yeah. in the business, Barton Capellian. Thank you so much. And uh, you're listening to the Golf Insiders. We've got lots more British Open coming up. Stay with us. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, flying solo tonight. Holly G, Rich B on vacation. That dirty dog just sent me a picture of... 
some gorgeous Massachusetts lobster, Bubby. It's looking real good. Anyway, we're on the eve of the British Open Championship, where food is also an item of choice over there. Some black and tans and all kinds of uh, good fish and chips. And a guy who's uh, covered the Open Championship in many majors over his 30-year career. One of our favorite golf insiders from Philadelphia in the Daily News, Mike Kern, joining us on the line. Hey, Mike. Jesus. 30 years, that's a long time. But you look like a kid. You're so young. No, I'm so small, but that, it's, you know. Is the U.S. Open still going on, or is that over? I think it's over, I mean, but I'm telling you, all these comparisons to Muirfield, to Marion, I think some of these guys are confused. Well, I was at Muirfield in 202, um, and I still think Tiger might have won that had the perfect storm not blown in on Saturday. But Ernie Ells went out and shot 72 that day in conditions that I would have shot 190. So Muirfield, you know, most people say Muirfield is the fairest uh, course they play over there because you don't get a lot of quirkiness that you get at many of the other open venues. And they also, you know, say it can probably be the toughest. Um, You know, I mean, it seems like when they go to a lot of these places, you know, luck, I hate to use that word, that's not a fair word, but the the rubber to green, however it comes into play, Muirfield is kind of just there. You know, it's, it's a course, it's there. What I remembered about it is no... Two holes go in the same direction. It goes the, the one nine goes out clockwise. The second nine comes back counterclockwise, and and you really can't see a lot of holes from one hole. So it's it's a little different um, than playing like St Andrews or playing um, well anything's different than St Andrews. But it, it's it's um, and it only goes there like once every ten years instead of like the once every six or seven or five for St Andrews. So it, I think it'll be. And, and the thing about Muirfield, Holly, is that all the people that have won there in like the last 40 years or so have been great. They've all, they're all Hall of Famers. It's player, let me see if I get this right, player, Nicholas, uh, Trevino, two Watsons, or a Watson, two Faldos, and Ernie Els. Pretty uh, impressive. That's a pretty good company. Yeah, I mean, that's, they're all Hall of Famers. So, you know, I don't know what that means for this week, uh, whether it'll be another Hall of Fame type guy or whether it'll be, you know, your, your 18th different major winner out of the last 19 majors or whatever the number is now. Um, to this year so far, we've had two guys who were on that best golfer never to win a major list, and they both shed at that label. So maybe that's going to happen again. I don't know. It, it, it's it, it's I, I, I don't have a lot of feel for this because – I don't know. My picks are Marion Stunk, so uh, what the heck. Well, there's so so many storylines, although I would have thought this might have been uh, the golf course, Muirfield, to maybe favor Phil for his you know first Open Championship. But then he right. goes and wins last week at Castle Stewart. So, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know how many guys are going to win back-to-back, so that may have cooked his goose. What do you, what do you think? Well, there, the, the thing with Phil is this has never been his major. He hasn't really played well at the British Open. I mean, two years ago he finished third, I think, um, when um, Darren Clark won. He might have actually even been runner-up, I'm not sure. And there was another year, I'm trying to remember, back a ways. But this has not been Phil's major in in the long run, like the U.S. Open and the Masters. He's played so well in both of those tournaments. Um, 
And, and like, I mean, Justin Rose hasn't hit a golf ball in, in tournament play since uh, Marion. Tiger Woods hasn't hit a golf ball in tournament play since Marion. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I think in the paper, I'm trying to remember, I took, um, I actually took Sergio Garcia. I picked three people. I tried to pick one, two, and a long shot. I picked Sergio Garcia because he played, actually played well at Marion except for a couple holes. And the British Open, I think, is the one major where putting is not as big of a deal as it is at some of the others, and putting is his, usually his biggest problem. Um, and I think I picked Lee Westwood <laughs> excuse me, as my second guy. And I think for a long shot I took Patty Harrington, who hasn't done anything in years, but he did finish one shot out of the playoff at Muirfield in 202 for whatever that's worth. But I have no clue. It's you know, the last two years you've had forty year old men with well, this major. Don't tell um, Adam. Don't tell Adam Scott. It doesn't require some putting because you know he played great last week. In fact, no, we were we were just yeah, talking about you know how sometimes putting missed, is underrated. But he missed shots though. I mean, he the one shot he hit at one hole where he hit in a bunker. I mean, if he just doesn't put it in a bunker, he's going to win the golf tournament or get a playoff. I mean, he hit some squirrely shots coming in that led to him having to make some putts where then, you know, they became pressurized. But, I mean, the last two years we've had 240s. I mean, Ernie Els, I tried to think about this. I cannot remember a time, and I'm sure there probably has been, where the defending champion is also the defending champion at this particular venue because he won in 202. So he's the last guy to win at Muirfield, and he's the last guy to win a pretty show. And I don't know what that means, um, but it's out there. And But, you know, t- I mean, look, Tiger's still the favorite. Because Tiger's going to be the favorite, regardless. Because when the guys at Ladbrokes over there put up a number, if they make Tiger fifteen to one, the whole world will bet Tiger down to whatever he is. So, I mean, I don't know if Tiger's the favorite or not. I, I you know, I haven't seen him play since Marion, and he didn't play very well there. But supposedly the elbow was bothering him. He's won four times this year. You know, nobody else. Uh, you know, I mean, at least on the American tours, only one other guy's won twice. Although. Graham McDowell, who was one of the guys who I thought would play well at Marion, apparently uh, has won like three of his last seven starts or something like that. I love Graham McDowell. I think I think Graham McDowell is a bulldog. I like the way he plays. But I honestly have you, – you could pick – you could give me 10 or 12 or 15 names this week and honestly would probably have as much chance. And you don't know what the weather's going to be like over there. Now, supposedly I think the weather's supposed to be pretty good except for winds. Uh, it's supposed to get windy over there. If it gets windy, I mean, that's the one thing those golfers hate. They just don't want wind. So, you know, how tough is it going to be? You know, I don't know. But um, the British Open, there's nothing like getting up at 5 o'clock on Thursday and Friday morning and watching golf. That's exactly exactly what we've been talking about. Well, you mentioned uh, he's taking a little time off. Justin Rose, the U.S. Open champ. But should be having some good vibes coming into Muirfield because now he's on his home open championship turf, you know? Uh, so never, I think that would give him some, some good vibe. Yeah, but Holly, how many guys win back to back majors? I mean, really. Uh, Patty Harrington won back to back majors about five years ago when Tiger was not playing. Other than that, Phil Mickelson won back to back majors in 05 and the first one in 06. And other than that, other than Tiger, you probably have to go back to, I don't know, Nicholas, Watson. I have no idea. But what I'm saying is Justin Rose has never really, when you think about it, and he, he deserved to win at Marion. He, he, he deserved to win. But he'd never really been in position to win a major before, let alone this one. He's never really played 
I mean, he's never been in a Sunday afternoon where there was four holes left in the tournament or six holes left, and he said, Justin Rose is one shot out of the leader. Marion was the first time. And he went, I would not go with Justin Rose. That's just me, because I just think it's very hard for guys. It was kind of like Adam Scott going to Marion. Um, you know, it's hard to win back, to, especially when you just won your first major, and you've taken that monkey off your back. And now, but, I mean, Adam Scott in the six or seven majors before Marion played great in, in most of them. So, yeah, but I, if I was a betting person, I would not take Scott or Rose, not because they're not capable of it. I just don't think it makes sense. Like, I try to eliminate people. I wouldn't take Phil, only because Phil hasn't played well in this major. That doesn't mean he can't. Um, I just think that if British Open's a little different because, you know, Augusta, you have to putt. You have to put your ball in certain spots. The U.S. Open is, you know, a torture chamber. Uh, the British Open tends to be a, a major where Ernie didn't putt well last year. Coming down the stretch, he missed a bunch of putts that allowed Adam to stay up by four until Adam started giving it away. Darren Clark didn't putt lights out. I just think the British Open greens are usually slower. I, for some reason, I don't know, but it, I just think that Sergio, the Tiger Woods stuff is behind him now. He played well at Marion except for like two holes he butchered. Um I just have a weird feeling about him and Westwood. I don't. That probably means they're going to miss the cut. But, you know, <laughs> that's just what I think. Well, how about Rory McIlroy? Uh, press conference today. He, you know, looks like he's ready. Certainly has not had the best year coming coming out of the the blocks here. But uh, could this be could this be a bounce back for Rory? Well, you know, he, look, he hasn't played well this year. I don't know what Rory, you know, what, what he won the PGA last year and he's the next Tiger Woods and this and that. And he's just in, in, I think he might have even changed his equipment if I'm not mistaken. He's just not Rory. I mean, he's good, but he hasn't won since last August. So, yeah, I mean, if, if the real Rory McElroy shows up, he can win any week. But I still go back to the reason Tiger's the favorite is because everybody knows if Tiger shows up with his A game, it's better than anybody else's A game. It still is, regardless of what you know we might think. But Tiger hasn't played well in a major in a long. Well, he played well at Augusta. I shouldn't say that. He did play well at Augusta. He hasn't played well in the weekend of a major in a while. Um, I wouldn't pick Rory this week, just because. Once again, I, I don't. I got to see something. But you know, Rory could show up. Something could click this week in a practice round, and he could be the best golfer out there. Um, and that's why I think this this. It, to me, is a really wide-open major. I, I, I think there's 12, 15 guys that could win, and I wouldn't sit there on Sunday and go, boy, that really caught me off guard, or I would have never seen that coming. I just don't like Rose. I don't like Scott because, I mean, what is it, 18 of the last 19 major winners, I believe, have been different winners. The only guy that's won two majors in that span, basically since Tiger won in, in his last major, I think is Rory McIlroy since Patty Harrington won the last two majors in 208. So, you know, to say that now other guys are going to win their second major, I mean, it could happen. I'm, it's bound to happen at some point. But we've had a slew of first-time guys winning majors. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it would be great for the game, whether you like Tag or don't like Tag or whatever your opinion is of Tag. I still think it would be great for the game if he would win another major to kind of get us back into that can he catch Jack. 
I, um, I hear you. I hear you. Know. you. And you know what? You're absolutely right. Um, and this is good for golf because I think there, there's so many great players and it makes watching golf so exciting that, uh, you know, we're just getting a lot more fans interested in the game. And that's good for golf, Mike Kern. Mike Kern from the Philadelphia Daily News. Thank you so much, my friend, for spending okay, a little time you know, with us. We'll have a black Absolutely. We'll talk to you. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740 The Game. We've got more British Open preview coming up next. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni. I think it's nice. It'd be good to just make We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 on the eve of the Open Championship, the third major of the 2013 golf season. Waking up early tomorrow morning, 4 a.m. coverage on ESPN. And uh, get yourself a good cup of coffee and... They'll be teeing off, and we're going to go to one of our favorite golf insiders for the PGATour.com, our former golf writer from the Orlando Sentinel, Jeff Shane, on the line. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. So you've been over there. You've covered the British a number of times. We've been talking about uh, you know some of the obvious uh, players, of course, Tiger Woods, Phil, Justin, uh, let's go a little deeper. Who who do you think is the guy that's got to get the monkey off his back here? We talk about Luke Donald, Lee Westwood. Who would you put in that category? I think Westwood's the first guy that comes to mind, especially uh, with all the close calls that he's had, the fact that he is a very, very good ball striker and uh, has put himself in position, particularly on courses that reward that stuff. But uh, his short game has always been his weak link. He's tried to address it, you know, by picking up the family and moving to Florida, but, uh, it, it is still the elusive major for him, or any major is elusive for him. So I, I think he's definitely the first guy on that list. Well, it's been a year for guys getting the monkey off their back. Adam Scott, of course, at the Masters and, uh, Justin Rose at the U.S. Open. So do you think, uh, maybe it's setting up for another guy to, you know, come out of the pack and, and win his first major. I think the British, you know, maybe doesn't favor that as much, but what are, what do you think? Well, I think the venue that we have, Muirfield, I mean, you look at the names of players that have won Opens at Muirfield, and it is a who's who Hall of Fame list. Nick Faldo's won there twice, Tom Watson, Lee Trevino, Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, Walter Hagen, Harry Varden, all but two of the open winners at Muirfield are in the Hall of Fame, and you can make an argument that one of them, Ted Ray, ought to be in the Hall of Fame. So I think for this particular event, uh, I've really looked at guys who I think uh, have the credentials uh, to be Hall of Famers, maybe already have a chance to be there, uh, or would put themselves right in the mix if the Open Championship was, say, their second major. So... Uh, I, I, I don't think we have a guy that comes out of the woodwork at Muirfield. I, I agree with you there. So if we're looking to the uh, 
European players. Somebody, of course, you know, Graham McDowell, three victories in his last eight starts. You would think that uh, this would be setting up for a good time for Graham. Uh, Charles Schwartzel, of course. Um, you know, who, who do you think in that pack? I like Graham. Uh, I, it's kind of an all-or-nothing pick right now because he's been kind of an all-or-nothing player for the last two months, uh, either winning or missing the cut. But I like what I see when he is on. It, it is very much a reminder of what uh, uh, of what we saw when he was winning at Pebble Beach and getting ready for that. And so I think that uh, that, that he's a possibility. Uh, somebody else from from the European contingent, perhaps. Uh, uh, you know, Westwood would would be a guy. Schwartzel. You look at. You look at uh, McDowell and Schwartzel, and uh, both those guys, if they won, would have two majors under their belt, and maybe you know that's the type of win that puts you in potential Hall of Fame category. Well, here's another one for you because he tied for seventh last year and has played very well, uh, six top tens this year. Nicholas Colsarts. Yeah, and uh, I, I, he's a guy that I really want to watch the, over these next few years because I do think he has the capability of winning a major. I'm not sure that it's right now, uh, and maybe it's because of the venue. I'm, I'm not sure that he's in that category yet, but uh, he's definitely making progress. He's also kind of going through a transition year this year, balancing being a European tour player with being a PGA tour player. and uh, So he's run a little hot and cold, but I definitely like him kind of on the futures uh, market, if so to speak. Uh, you know, there always seems to be a few players that pop up at the British Open on the on the leaderboard. Of course, we know what happened with Tom Watson a few years ago. As again, I look at the 2012 uh, leaderboard on Sunday. We had Mark Kelkovecchia, who was in the top ten. Uh, Emel, uh, Miguel Jimenez, who, of course, the mechanic always seems to to play well, and. Uh, you know, it's 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 interesting. And then, of course, I'm thinking about somebody like Ian Poulter. Uh, you know, could this be his time? Yeah, but see, Ian, oddly enough, for being a Brit, does not have a very good track record at, at British Opens. He is uh, something in the range, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's something in the range of 2 for 12 and making the cut at the British Open. And Justin Rose is kind of that way as well, 2 for 12 in that category. So... Uh, they may be two guys that, as kind of the golf world shrinks and the world gets smaller and European players play on the American tour and American players play more uh, European-type events. I mean, we've, we've seen what happens with Peter Uline and Brooks Kupka uh, going from the Challenge Tour to the European Tour. Uh, sometimes they, they don't play to what you would think would be uh, their strengths, and I just don't see... Holter or Rose as Lynx type players. And I'll put Rory McElroy in that group too. He's come out and admitted that he does not play uh, some European venues well. He's not a bad weather player, uh, but he really likes the courses over the United States, places like Charlotte and Congressional and, and, and places like that. Well, they've talked about that it's going to take somewhat of a, of a conservative game plan, a cautious game plan. It would make me think that perhaps somebody with the game like Zach Johnson or even Bill Haas might might be good picks, if they might be sleeper Bill, picks. 
Yeah, well, Bill Haas is another guy that I kind of have on that futures chart, and uh, I, I kind of looked at him this year as, as a long shot type pick. He's gradually getting better and kind of taking like his father. He just uh, grows and, and gets better by degrees and doesn't really have that great jump. But I like the way that he won it at the AT&T National. Uh, he leads the PGA Tour in top ten finishes with eight. And so even though he hasn't had this this massive year with two wins and uh, a couple of other in contention you know, down the stretch, he's had a very, very solid year and coming from a very, very solid player. Well, Jeff, it's that time when i got to ask you the big question. Who is going to be holding up the Claret Jug on Sunday? Well, my top two guys this week, uh, one of them is Graham McDowell. Uh, like I say, it's an all-or-nothing pick, but uh, I'm going with a hunch here. And then I also like Adam Scott. Uh, and maybe it's just because it would be such a great story. But for a guy that we didn't see contend in majors for 10 years plus, uh, he's really turned his game around to where he's become a constant on the leaderboard in majors since uh, 2011. And uh, I, I think that uh, he... After winning the Masters, he had to float around on the cloud a little bit and uh, finished 22nd at the U.S. Open, which isn't terrible, but it brought him down from the cloud a little bit, and it, it kind of lit the fire in him again, and I'm sure that he would love to go uh, back over to Britain and find, uh, find a way to... It's not redemption because he's got the green jacket. He'll never lose that, but... To, but, but to make up for that stumble that he had at Livham last year. Absolutely. I think he will be a, a good good sentimental choice uh, on my side anyway. So And a, and a great champion. Of, uh, he's, he's, we've got two great champions this year, very gracious, uh, gracious guys. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Jeff Shane, thanks so much as always. PGATour.com, check him out. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. 10, 7.40, the game. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back. The Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house. Flying solo, Holly G. And Rich Walsh behind the glass, keeping things all under control tonight. Thanks, Rich, so much. And up next, a golf insider who um, I've known for an awful long time, one of the one of the best journalists who's covered golf for the Boston Herald for many years. Great sports writer, member of the Golf Writers Association of America, Jack O'Leary on the line. Hello, Father. How are you doing? It's good to talk with you. Yo. When I think of guys who have spent more time playing golf in Ireland and Scotland, it would be you, Father O'Leary. And take a minute to tell our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to play Lynx golf over there, um, really what they expect from Muirfield. Okay. Um, at Muirfield, you're going to find that uh, the game, like all links courses, the game is played on the ground, not in the air like it is here. It's for the, someone to win this tournament, they're going to have to control their ball flight. They're going to have to hit it low. Now, the 
the ground will be harder. It'll be like hitting in the parking lot. Um, Tiger was saying the other day that he was hitting four irons 280 yards and three irons over 300. And that's all roll. The problem with that is, and this is something some of the guys are going to have trouble with, is they have to hit it shorter because there isn't a lot of golf course 300 yards out. Um, when you have these fairway bunkers, from there on in, your field gets very narrow, and and you don't want to be in the rough. You can make a par from the rough, yeah. You can't make a par from a fairway bunker, by the way. You have to avoid those. Uh, you'll find that the greens are slower than you would see on tour. Uh, they have to be. Uh, because of the wind and everything, they have to keep them a little longer, or else they'd be. And because of the movement in the greens, you, uh, if you had them skinned down to like 12 or 13 or 14, like they have on PGA Tour, you you couldn't control, you couldn't keep keep a ball on the green. I mean, there is that much movement. Uh, but again, there, there there are two irrelevant numbers in golf, in Lynx golf. One is distance. Two is par. The low score wins. That's it. And you have to look at it that way. And uh, I tell people that if they're going over there and they get themselves in a the match, that eight always beats nine, and nine is always in play because of the. Uh, the rough around the greens, the rough on the off the fairways. It's it's tough golf. You have to manage, and it's a chess match. You got to check your ego and your handicap at the door. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've heard it referred to as a straightforward links course. Yeah. Uh, without the quirkiness of some of the other links, explain yeah. what what that means. What are we going to well, see? I I've played in links courses where in order to get the ball close to the hole, you have to miss the green by, by 15 yards to the right or left and count on the bounce to go in, because if you fly it at the hole, who knows where it's going to go. Um, so that's, that's the quirkiness, the bounces. You can hit what you think is a perfect shot, and it hits in the wrong place, and uh, you've got a problem. Well, we know and we've I'm, seen I'm, our... We've seen our share of guys hitting backwards out of bunkers, you know, when they're stymied up against those severe, you know, fronts. So uh, it's it's always fun golf to see. We don't have a lot of time left, Jack, but if the wind kicks up, who do you think that's going to favor? I think it's going to favor Graham McDowell. Uh, he's, uh, it's either feast or famine with him, and he's hungry. So I think it's time for a feast. I agree. And uh, if I give you the whole field... Who do you see holding up the Claire Jug? You you know probably better than anybody. And and I I guess I would say, do you think do you think Ernie uh, may may win it back to back since he was the last one in two thousand two? Why not? He's been playing well. You know, and, and again, it doesn't count all count on putting, which which cuts him a break because he still strikes the ball as good as anyone. And uh, you know, it, it, it's why not? I'm why with you. I would love to, you know, as our as our hometown boy here in Orlando, uh, it would be a, a great win for Ernie. We, uh, you know, he's just a fine champion, and um, 
I give you 20 seconds to give me your comment on Gary Player on the cover of ESPN, The Body Issue, Jack, because I know you know him well. Well, I was shocked they didn't ask me, okay? That's number one. But then I'm not 78 years old. Um, I was surprised he did it. I think we'll leave it at that. But, boy, I'll tell you what. Go Gary Player. He is uh, the epitome of golf fitness. Catch the British Open this weekend, everyone. It's going to be a great time to watch golf. We're out of here.